skin is so complex and my heart goes out to everyone that's struggling with skincare issues. I mean, people might think it's superficial, but it's not. It dramatically affects your confidence. I went through, you know, struggles with my acne where it was so bad that I didn't want to leave the house and I felt so low. So anyone struggling right now, like don't ever feel like what you're going through should be belittled because it's so important and it's so complex and frustrating. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels. How is everyone? I feel like I haven't done a little check-in with you all for a while now. And yes, I am aware that this is a one-sided conversation, but you can respond in your head on your end and I'll just keep on talking into my mic, you know? So to answer my own question, I suppose, I personally feel like life is just one big roller coaster right now. Some days are all rainbows and butterflies, this is fun, I'm on top of the world, opportunities are just rolling in, and then some days are just complete shit shows. You know, things go wrong, and I feel low, and something new pops up on the news that just deepens the low times, and it's just this kind of roller coaster, right? You have those those high days, and you have the low days, and you have the peaks and the valleys in between. And all that being said, something I've been trying to remind myself, and I think could be a general reminder for anyone else feeling this sort of way is that one, it is healthy and okay and valid to feel all range of emotions right now. You shouldn't try to force anything away and, you know, only focus on the good in life because that's just not realistic. I've been there. I've done that. I still occasionally try to do that, you know, where you just push away the bad and you're like, nope, not going to deal with that. Only on the positive. And while there's a time and a place for that, you know, maybe when you just can't break down and cry, like in a public setting or at a wedding or something like that, (laughs) there, you know, for your general life, you shouldn't have to force those quote-unquote bad thoughts or feelings or times away. You know, like that stuff you're pushing away always, always bubbles up again to the surface and usually it comes back with quite the vengeance. And on that note, I guess it's kind of like the second reminder is that it's important to remember that this too shall pass. The only constant in life is change. So no matter what is happening right now, whether it's good or bad, it will shift, it will change, it will move on, and you've got to be able to adapt and roll with the punches along the way. That is actually my favorite saying, that the only constant in life is change, because it's probably something that I struggle with the most, and it's one of the only quotes I can actually remember, so. (laughs) But now that we've had that little bit of a check-in, let's just move on to the episode. I just like every now and then to kind of get all in my feels and discuss with you guys in this one-sided conversation, but on to today's actual episode, we have Celeste Thomas. She is a skincare guru, a queen in the field and is honoring us with her presence on the podcast today. 
I followed Celeste for a while now and truly learned something new from her nearly every week. She is a registered nurse and has been involved in the world of skincare for 10 plus years. Her journey started as a teenager when acne and her skin issues were taking over her life. And since then, she's combined this formal education as a nurse with her own experience own personal experimentation to become the skincare guru that she is today. What I really appreciate about Celeste's education and message is that she always reminds us, her audience, that everyone is unique in their skincare journey. So what we discuss here today may work for some and it may not for others. Even with our own skin, things just change a lot. (laughs) So part of the skincare journey that any of us embark on is getting to know your own personal skin and what it needs. So just remember that as you listen, this episode is not to influence you, but to educate and empower you to learn more, try more, and explore for yourself. That's something I really wanted to get across in this intro is that We're not trying to influence you to try anything new or to go buy this product. We don't even say, I don't think, specific product names. Maybe a few. Because that's not the point. The point is to just open up the conversation on skin and skincare. And maybe this interests some of you and maybe it doesn't interest others of you. So in this episode, Celeste really dives into her own personal skincare routine, why it works for her and how she does it. Maybe it inspires you to try something new. Then we discuss the fusion that she you know, has in her own life and something that I kind of feel pulled to as well of this fusion of holistic health with science and then with personal experimentation and exploration. Celeste also touches on how lifestyle, gut health, and internal health all affect our skin with some simple tips and tricks for amping up your skincare routine. Nothing too crazy, just some low-key things that can amplify what you already have going on. And then a little PSA public service announcement on why pores matter and as Celeste puts it why they are a window to internal health which I love that little quote of hers. (laughs) I then asked for her input on identifying your skin type the best way to do this you know whether that's oily dry sensitive somewhere in between and for some fun and you know actionable knowledge Celeste debunks some common skincare myths. So such as how not all skin oils are bad, the difference between hydration and moisture, because they mean different things for the skin, I never knew that, and then understanding chemical exfoliants and how they work, which I liked this part because chemical exfoliants to me is like a big red flashing no sign. It's neat. It's neat to hear Celeste's own experience with them and how they actually work. So I liked that. And plus, of course, a bit on SPF and understanding you know, how it works, what to use, the brands that she does like. So I know this episode and topic overall is a bit different than usual, but I do think it's something we can all explore. I mean, skin is a part of our bodies, obviously, and thus a part of any sort of health, wellness, routine, regimen that you may want to explore. So if you resonate with this episode, something sticks out to you, if you want to debate something, like anything, let us know. We want to know, you know, what skin hack you might begin after this, or like I said, if something doesn't sit right with you, just let us know. Celeste is on Instagram at Celeste Thomas, linked below, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. 
I appreciate you so much for listening. Let's connect. If you'd like to support the show, you can rate and review, but no pressure. I appreciate you, and without further ado, let's jump into today's convo. Let's get into it, Emily. Okay. So for my first question, since I'm so curious about people's routines and what they do, I'm curious, what's your skincare regimen look like right now? Like, what do you do to keep your skin looking so beautiful? (laughs) Oh, that's very sweet of you to say, first of all. And for me, my skincare routine is not only to keep my skin clear because I am really acne prone, but it's just like a moment of self-care that I really love every day. So I'm very, very consistent. Um, But it just looks like in the morning I do one minute wash, which is really important to, you know, stimulate blood flow. Also, I learned from a dermatologist recently, and this is a reason to wash your face in the morning, that indoor pollution is actually more dramatic than outdoor pollution. So we have, you know, all of the chemicals in our you know, in the building of our home, all those supplies, everything we have inside, cleaning products, different things we might not think are toxic, dust mites from our pillow, just so many things. So I really advocate for a nice long one minute wash where you massage your face in the morning. So I do that. And it also, it feels really good. So that, then I, um, tone, use a toner or an essence, then it's serums, then it's a mist, then it's a moisturizer, then it's an eye cream and lip cream SPF. So I do have quite a few steps in the morning and nighttime looks pretty similar. The only thing that I'll change up is maybe a nighttime serum versus a daytime serum and a night cream. And I do like to do chemical exfoliant masks two or three times a week. I love it. Oh my, there's so much to dissect in there. Yeah. (laughs) And actually I love hearing what everyone does, you know, a little bit differently because it, it goes to show, you know, everyone's unique. All of our skin requires different things, but you know, you are so informative. You're kind of like the goddess of skincare in my eyes. So when did, when did you get started in this? Like what drew you down this path of really learning, you know, educating yourself on skincare and testing things out and doing all of this work to get to where you are today? It really came out of necessity from the time i was in puberty, I had acne and my mom suffered from it too. So it really is genetic for me. And, you know, the evolution of me learning about skin started when I was in middle school and going to the drugstore and picking up anything that said acne on it and that horrible, um, the apricot scrub that we all use, which is, I don't use it. Please, anyone listening, I can help you, but that is not the answer. So from that to being on proactive to going to different dermatologists to, you know, in my nursing background, learning about skincare from a scientific perspective and trying to heal it that way didn't work for me Then having to really learn more of the holistic um, Eastern side. So it's been such an evolution. And now that there's so many brands that are creating more non-toxic supportive products, I love to test them because there's new technology that comes out all the time. And I want my community to have access to the highest quality products. So it's just, I'm obsessed. It's everything I do and for years and years. I mean, I'm 30 years old. So from, probably from the past, you know, 15, 16 years, I've been just a devotee of skincare. I love that. With time comes the practice. So I'm curious though, you were saying that you do have experience with both sides of the spectrum. So what would you say is kind of, you know, a, a major difference or 
the, you know, the main divide you saw between the more holistic approach to skincare and the more scientific doctor approach, because I've had, you know, the conflicting conversations where I'm hearing the advice from, you know, a doctor friend and then a holistic Mm -hmm. friend's telling me, and it's kind of hard to see like, you know, where they combine, where they divide. So what would you say is the main difference between them? So the medical and more Western approach is really was my background. I mean, I'm a registered nurse to this day and I went to nursing school and I've always wanted to get into skincare and going through that whole process and learning the physiology of the body and then learning treatment methods. It always kind of felt like a band-aid, and it never quite worked for me because it was, you know, one prescription like, okay, try this. Or if this prescription doesn't work, then try this or try this treatment. And it never had anything to do with lifestyle. I was never instructed to change my diet or think about my gut health or do anything internal and besides take a pill. And when that didn't work for me and after seeing some of the top dermatologists, you know, in my region, I was like, is, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? But then it really took taking this fermentation workshop like six years ago and learning to make my own fermented foods just with a friend for fun and then seeing such a dramatic shift in my health and in my skin based on my gut health, that was a huge eye opener. And now when I talk about skin holistically and when I give suggestions, it really is as much of what you're putting into your body and what you're putting on your body as well as practices. So it's everything. It's not just one aspect of treatment. And I think that's why people struggle with skincare because it can sometimes feel like you're just being tugged in a million directions and you can't hone down on what's causing it or what's helping. And so, you know, you did bring up the idea of the, what's going on inside of us does affect our skin. It comes out through our skin. So what would you say were some of the, you know, more surprising truths or discoveries you made about gut health, hormone health, just how our inside body really does affect our skin? Some, I mean, you're so right. Skin is so complex and my heart goes out to everyone that's struggling with skincare issues. I mean, people might think it's superficial, but it's not. It dramatically affects your confidence. I went through, you know, struggles with my acne where it was so bad that I didn't want to leave the house and I felt so low. So anyone struggling right now, like don't ever feel like what you're going through should be belittled because it's so important and it's so complex and frustrating. So I think some of the things that were really surprising to me as just an average consumer is, you know, coffee and caffeine played a huge role in my skin health and also my anxiety levels. So I think, and, and my hormone health, like being a woman and consuming too much caffeine, especially too late in the day where you're not getting good sleep and your sleep dramatically affects the health of your skin. So that is a huge, huge one that I think is a big problem in our society that if people are struggling with skincare issues, like take a second and look at your caffeine consumption. How much, when, the quality of it, that's huge. Another big thing for me was dairy. And dairy is interesting because not everyone is negatively impacted by dairy with their skin, but those who are genetically predisposed to acne do suffer from more breakouts when they have dairy in their diet. And this is actually proven by the American Dermatology Association, and I read it in my literature in you know post nursing school. So those two things can really, really improve someone's skin health. I love that. Yeah, and I mean, I know 
personally with the dairy, you know, that's where I first started to notice it for myself. I noticed it in my brother. He doesn't listen to me about it, but that's for him to figure out um, and multiple friends too. And, you know, it is kind of like testing out what causes it for you. So, you know, when it comes to our gut too, is it the idea of, you know, say we're consuming something that inflames our gut, does that inflammation then kind of portray itself through our skin as well? Your skin is the window to the inside of your body, in my opinion. I mean, you, after an amount of time, you might not eat something and have it show up on your skin the next day, but through the process of time, days, weeks, months, depending on the severity, you will see a reaction on your skin. So that's if you are dealing with you know, dryness, acne, rosacea, irritation, thinking about how you're treating your gut health is really important. And I think a lot of people find that it's really confusing to kind of suss out their own gut health. But how are you feeling? Are you bloated? Are you irritable? Are you tired? Are you breaking out? Like, in my personal opinion, if you're not supporting your gut with either really high quality probiotics or if you don't have a fermentation um, aspect of your diet, your gut is lacking. And that's because today in our modern culture, there's a process of sanitizing, sterilizing, you know, processing all of our food that might in the past that are in our grandparents' generation have healthy bacteria to support your digestion and your gut health aren't there anymore. So we have to make a change ourselves. Love that. And besides the food aspect of it, you know, gut health, all of that, you also mentioned sleep, which is a, you know, more of a lifestyle change too. And something I wanted to ask you is I've experienced it is, have you seen a correlation between the exercise we do, for instance, and how that affects our skin health, or perhaps how that affects our hormones, which in turn affects the skin? So as far as exercise, I mean, I'm the kind of individual that most of my life I've been more into low impact exercise anyways, yoga and walking and things like that. So I can't really tell you from personal experience, you know, whether exercise plays a huge factor, but I do know that when people are doing certain exercises and they're overworking themselves, that releases cortisol, which can produce acne and irritate your skin. So that's not necessarily my area of expertise, but I do know that cortisol can have really negative impacts on the skin. Okay. That, so you I mean, have to be careful. I mean, just as a human in general, like, you know, that go, go, go lifestyle that we have of like over caffeinating, not having time to sit and eat high quality food, then going to the gym and just working so, so hard. It's not, it's not helping you. No, truly. I mean, even if you're not concerned about your skin overall, that lifestyle can only last so long, you know, I, I think. And so add skin into the mix and you definitely want to be mindful of it. But, of you know, and as we're talking about, you know, everything you've discovered, I'm sure that on the other end with your skin, you've probably, you mentioned before, you've been doing this for 15 years, long time. You've probably tried just about every tip trick thing in the book, I assume. So I'm curious, what's been like the oddest, the most weird, funny thing you've ever tried to do with your skin that just didn't really work out for you in the end? Hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's odd, but I was prescribed spironolactone, which is actually like a diuretic medication to help with my skin. And it's something that 
a doctor should tell you to only take short term and my doctor didn't put a time limit on it. And I know a lot of women are taking spironolactone to block androgens and reduce their oil. And I mean, it is pretty crazy at the end of the day to be taking a long-term medication to help your skin. And so many people don't realize that a lot of the anti, um, antibiotic acne medications, or if they're using birth control for their skin or spironolactone, they're not supposed to be on it long-term. So that's pretty crazy that most of the women who are taking these medications don't even realize that the long-term effects can be really, really dangerous for their health. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, it's, you know, unless you're expecting to be on that, you know, for the rest of your life, you have to expect, you know, something's going to come when it ends, but, and well, then, and then when you're not taking it, you haven't set your body up for success so that you don't see the, you know, same exact hamster wheel of acne or skin issues again and again, because you never really healed your gut or your diet or your skin topically. So that's, that bandaid system just is not working. No, I mean, we see that with this podcast, it's mainly health wellness focused, but even talking with people, you know, with chronic and health issues of the sort, you know, gut issues, all that stuff, it's time and time again, the bandaid effect that really kind of screws us over in the end and has us wasting time, money, energy. So I see that. And, you know, on that same note, I wanted to, I had wanted to ask you what the simplest thing was you do for your skin. And I'm kind of, thinking it's probably to do with that one minute water wash in the morning. But I'm just curious, like, could you explain? So do you just quite literally just like wash your face with warm water? Or is there a certain massage hand movements, sort of like drainage you do as well? So I always use cold water. Okay. And you could use lukewarm water, but you want to be really careful against using hot water because it can actually, you know, open your pores and dry out your skin. So I love using cold water. It's also really calming and soothing. You look at your skin after you've taken a really hot shower and you notice that it's red and a little bit inflamed. Same thing with your face. So I like to use a cold water. I like to use a gentle gel cleanser and that's because I'm acne prone. You could just use cold water if you have really dry or really sensitive skin. Um, and then I like to do a massage in upward circles for about a minute. There's not necessarily lymphatic drainage portion of it. That may change. I mean, I'm really well slept right now. I'm decently young. Maybe, you know, when we have kids someday and I don't have time to sleep as much, I'll incorporate some gua sha or lymphatic massage, which I think is wonderful. But it's just something I can't get into for some reason. Like my patience is not there when it comes to gua sha and lymphatic massage. I've, I do it occasionally, and when I do do it, it feels good, but I definitely have to set aside the time because otherwise, yeah, I just, I'm going through it so fast. I'm like, I doubt this is actually doing anything besides <laughs> taking an extra five minutes out of my day, but, you know, and besides- you correctly, it does do wonders. I went to a gua sha workshop, and you can really, it is a wonderful treatment, but people have to know how to do it correctly, and it's way more challenging than people think. Most people press way too hard and it should be a feather-like gentle motion. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, are there any put something in the show notes, like a link to a good gua sha. I'll yeah. find you okay. I know that it has good views. Yeah, if you let me know, because I am definitely doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides that, are there any other skincare tools you do use besides the gua sha? Yes. Or besides, you know, not doing the gua sha, I suppose. Right. I am obsessed with my ice roller. 
Okay. Is that, so just like the one that has like, kind of like the thicker part on the top and the smaller one on the bottom, keep it in the freezer? Yes. Okay. So I keep it in the freezer and when I was going through, you know, lots of bouts of acne and kind of breakouts every other day, I was using it morning and night. And now I just use it if I feel like there's a little blackhead or whitehead or a pimple coming on just to reduce inflammation in the skin and kill off acne bacteria with the ice. It is such a remarkable tool for people who are breaking out or if you just have irritated skin. I do love you, Do you like wash that every so often or do you do anything like do you keep it somewhere to keep it especially clean? So I wash it after I use it every single time with my face wash. Very important, especially if you have open breakouts, that acne bacteria can spread on to anything. So if you're rolling something around acne, you want to make sure that it's really, really clean. And then I just keep it in a little, um, a little bag in the freezer. So you could use a plastic bag or an old, you know, fabric bag, anything like that. So it's not necessarily touching any of your food. That's yeah, a good idea. I know I've, I have mine in a little like tray off to the side of my freezer, mm-hmm. but I do need to wash it more often. Something else I'm slacking on here <laughs> in the skincare department. Yeah, but it's just with your skin, you have to be so, so careful because it is a permeable membrane. It's open, your pores are exposed. So you want to make sure you're washing your pillowcases, anything that comes in contact with your face, your makeup sponges, all these little things we don't think about. It really is essential, especially for anyone listening, struggling with acne. And, you know, as you've mentioned a few times throughout this, you're more prone to like the oily skin, you said, correct, right? So are there any tips you might give someone for kind of understanding where they stand with their skin, whether it is overly oily, you know, too dry, just maybe sensitive because I am honestly sometimes at a loss of whether, you know, my skin some days it's, you know, I I think it's oily and then some days it's so dry and some days it just feels plain sensitive and, you know, I don't want to touch it. So what would be maybe some things to look for, uh, to feel, to kind of identify what you need for your skin type? For sure. This is a great question. And I think it's the you know, the one time to invest, don't spend a bunch of money on skincare products. If you don't exactly know what your skin type is, go to a, a, you know, highly recommended esthetician, spend the money, go and get a facial, let them tell you what's happening with your skin. These individuals are professionals. They look at skin all day long and they can kind of tell you your skin's sensitive, your skin's dry, your skin's oily, or they could say, it looks like you're stripping your skin too much. It might be sensitive, it might be oily, we don't know because this is what you're doing. Maybe try this and at least troubleshoot from there. Then once you kind of get the baseline for your skin and you kind of know what your skin type is and you're treating it uh, properly for the skin type, then you really have to take into account, you have to look look in the mirror and look at your skin and assess your skin and intuitively really like think about how you're doing because we all know so much more about our body and our skin than we give ourselves credit for, but we don't tune in. So when you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, I think it's dry today. I think it's oily. You, you kind of know you're seeing it. And once you start paying attention to your skin day after day, you will learn how to care for it because seasons change. You might be sick. You might have allergies. It's dry today. It's windy today. I mean, you had too much sun last week. Your skin is not constant. It's changing and evolving every day, just like your mood. No, it, that is very true. And I've 
definitely found because, you know, living in Pennsylvania, my skin in the summer is drastically different from skin in the winter because we have such dramatic temperature changes versus, I mean, I'm sure it could happen somewhere, you know, like California too, but for me especially, I really feel that difference in need of skin cares and switching things up. Um, you know, like, and on that note, I wanted to discuss because with the different skin types, whatever they are, I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to it. So for instance, for the longest time, I was afraid of putting any like oils on my face. And then I found a brand that works for me, kind of talked with them. They explained how it you know, works with my skin. So if we could just touch on some of these misconceptions that I think people have about skin, about skin products, I'd love to hear your advice, your, <laughs> your wisdom on it and really break those myths. So the first thing I feel like everyone needs to know is that everyone's skin is different. And just because something worked for me, your other favorite skincare influencer, or the woman trying to sell you a product at the mall, or your mom, different people are sensitive to different ingredients. So you really do have to test and try things, and it is so unique and individual. So that's the first and most important thing. Um, the oil myth is is a really good one to touch on because I'm acne prone and I was really scared of oils for a long time too. And there's different oils. There's some oils that clog your pores and some that don't. And their concentration in products makes a difference. Some product that has a really high quality coconut oil in a very small amount versus just putting Trader Joe's coconut oil in your face is gonna be very, very different. So. If you're someone who wants to try oils, you can find one that's right for you. It might be a trial and error process, but the one thing with oils is that it's not meant to penetrate deep and hydrate your skin. It's meant to moisturize on a very surface level. So oil should not be your second skincare step ever. It should be your fourth skincare step or your third skincare step after something that's hydrating. It's hydration and moisture are different. So maybe that's the next. Yeah, um, let's, let's touch on that because I, I, don't, I don't know where to go with that one. Okay, great. So hydration is the skin's water content. Moisture is the skin's oil content. So you need to both hydrate and moisturize your skin for that dewy, beautiful, glowy complexion. You can hydrate and moisturize with external and internal things. So you want to drink a lot of water, eat a lot of fruits and veggies that are hydrating like cucumber and celery and those other kind of, you know, moist veggies and fruits. And then you want to go in with different ingredients like hyaluronic acid, aloe, moisturizing ingredients that are going to set your skin up for hydration. Then on the, I think I just said moisture when I met hydration. It gets a little complex, but okay, no, it's not complex. It's actually easy. So then for moisture, you want to eat moisturizing foods, like really high quality fats, omegas with fish, coconut oils, avocados. Those are things that are going to help moisturize your skin internally. And then externally finding those oils, like we talked about, the, the correct kind of oils that are good for you. I mean, there's a million, pretty much every plant has an oil that could potentially be great for your skin. It's just finding the ones that work for you. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And that explains also, so like when I got my skincare brand that I work with and I love, they, I was asking, you know, what steps do I use these products? And I love them, but I don't know how to use them. And they have me using like the hydrating or whichever, the ser serum first. And it has like aloe in it and 
willow bark, I want to say, or something. And then that's followed by the oil that has the other components that I'm forgetting right now. But you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's the last step of my routine and it does feel very, it feels natural that way. You know, once I figured out the way to apply everything, it felt a lot better. But also, so like with my skincare routine, I use a spray mister thing. And mm -hmm. once more blanking on what's in it, but could you explain, so like the idea of what we should be looking for in a sort of toner? Yeah, that's like, it's a toner mist, right? That's what it would be called. Um, usually a toner and a mist are two different steps in skincare. You can okay. have a toner that's in a spray bottle, so it looks like a mist, Okay. but ingredients are different. So a toner is usually something that balances the pH of your skin after you cleanse. It might have a little bit of a chemical exfoliant in there to break down some dead skin cells. And then a mist is usually something that's really hydrating that's going to seal in your serum before you apply moisturizer. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I pulled it up and it's, so it's a calming facial toner. So I guess that would be. That'd be a toner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that, that makes sense then. Yeah. So that would be after you cleanse, you'd use the toner. It's going to balance your pH and, and set up your skin before you do any serums or moisturizer. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. And then like, what would you say, just connecting with people, talking in real life on social media, have there been any other kind of like myths or misconceptions you've really had to talk people through when it comes to skincare? Mm, oh yes. The last one is about chemical exfoliants and people okay. get really scared of chemical exfoliants or, you know, they think they might want to exfoliate. They're like, Oh, I've, I've used a scrub, but is a chemical exfoliant going to be harsh? And really in actuality, a chemical exfoliant is much more gentle and it's, it is my favorite, favorite thing in skincare is chemical exfoliants and it's transformed my skin so, so much. And I really feel like it's the thing that people, everyone should add to their routine and not be afraid of. It's just about finding the right chemical exfoliant for you. So pretty much what a chemical exfoliant does is it breaks down dead skin cells, sebum, which is just oil and junk on your skin, any pollutants, anything like that to really give you like a fresh canvas for skincare and to prevent clogged pores and breakouts. It is such an essential step and you can use chemical exfoliants in any of your skincare products. That's a kind of confusing thing because they're ingredients like enzymes, lactic acid, malic acid, and it might be in your toner, might be in your serum, but I like to do them as treatment masks to make sure that I'm getting the full benefit. Okay. So don't be scared of chemical exfoliants, everyone listening. They're not scary. It's just about finding the right one. Okay. I was going to say, because that's something I've actually seen a couple people, you know, sharing about their experience with, and it interests me, but it also just the word chemical, I don't know, turns me off. Scary. But, you know, like what, what brands, I suppose, would you, do you personally use, recommend, you know, yeah. can kind of vouch for as far as you've done your research on them? Yeah. So just, I want to start by saying that anyone just dipping their toe in, I love natural enzymes as a chemical exfoliant. I think it's a great place to start because it's safe for all skin types. You don't need to get into crazy acids until you just kind of start slow. And I talk about this product all the time. I mean, I need to make my own at some point because I do it yes. out left and right because I always suggest it, but I love them. And it's the Naturopathica Cherry Enzyme Peel Mask. Okay. So it uses cherry enzymes 
and it smells amazing. It smells like a cherry pie. It's delectable. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's just perfect to slough off the dead skin cells and get rid of some sebum. So I love naturopathic and cherry enzyme peel. Um, some other brands that I love, I love True Botanicals. I love the Goop brand. They have some great chemical exfoliants. Um, you know, even Cocoa Kind, they have some great products with chemical exfoliants as well. So those are some of, you know, my favorite brands. The Cherry Enzyme Mask is and my favorite. It sounds good. It sounds good either way. <laughs> and I meant to ask you about it earlier, actually, and when you were, something reminded me of it, but so when it comes to like individual things we could use on our skin, so you suggest, you know, enzymes alone could be a good way to get started. Are there any individual ingredients, botanicals, substances we could implement into our routine? Like, for instance, vitamin C was something I kept hearing pop up a lot, you know, a couple mm -hmm. months ago with skincare and podcasts and products. So what's your, you know, like advice on that type of thing? You know, when just a, a plain ingredient or a plain substance to add into our routine, such as vitamin C. Yeah, so... Usually when we talk about formulations of products, there's so many different things. So it is a little confusing, but vitamin C is an amazing antioxidant. It helps prevent against oxidative stress and the oxidative stress in our skin comes from, you know, the environment, pollution, even things in our diet. So just having something to help protect your skin against that oxidative stress keeps your skin looking younger for longer. And that's why people really love vitamin C is because it's anti-aging. And vitamin C is something that's super safe. It's a great ingredient. I personally use one from Cocoa Kind that I always recommend because it's at a really good price point. Um, I've used one from Goop. A lot of different brands have a vitamin C serum, and I think it's a great thing to add in to your skincare routine. Okay, good. Because I've I just got a new um, I forget what it's called, but it has vitamin C in it. So I was like, I better ask her about it <laughs> before I start using it, but. And don't be afraid to layer them. I am kind of always in a rotation of serums and you can use three serums if you want. It's okay to stack products on top of each other as long as you're checking in with your skin and you're like, okay, am I using too many products that my skin feels irritated, it's inflamed, something like that, or maybe it's producing more oil because I'm adding too many things. But I usually like to use at least two serums a day and one of them is usually vitamin C. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, when it comes to blending things or, you know, adding things one on top of the other, do you have any suggestions, advice, experience with, you know, when it just comes to blending that, you know, kind of scene of skincare, caring for your skin, making sure it's feeling great, but also wearing makeup or applying that, you know, when you have a job, you just want to wear it, you're going out. Any advice on that end of things? My biggest piece of advice for wearing makeup is... But well, there's two things. Buy high quality non-toxic makeup that's not going to clog your pores. For the longest time when I was really acne prone, I was using um, makeup with silicone in it, which completely clogs your pores and it sits on top of your skin. So your skin can't even breathe. So obviously you're going to get more breakouts. So make sure you find a good high quality non-toxic, either foundation or powder or whatever you're using. I love one from Juice Beauty, the Youth Cream Foundation. It is the best non-toxic foundation I've ever tried. Absolutely love it. Kosas just came out with a new concealer that I'm really, really loving. 
And these days you don't have to sacrifice the formulations for being non-toxic. You can find things that don't pill and look weird and they're as good as whatever you're buying that may be toxic. So I'm not saying necessarily toss it unless you can afford that, but you know, use it and then for the next one, try to find something higher quality. And then the next thing is make sure you're actually getting it off when you come home or as soon as you can. And that doesn't mean just wash your face, but like, did you get it all off? If you took a wet cotton pad to your skin, is there residue left over from your makeup? That's a great test for people to do at home. Because a lot of people just aren't, you know, we're so busy and I get it, but some people just, I will say most of us don't wash our face to completely clean our skin. It's like, how often are you brushing your teeth for two minutes? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, like when it comes to washing that makeup off, do you suggest like the makeup wipe, um, just your typical, you know, facial cleanser? What would you say is the best way to get that deep clean to make sure you're really getting it all out? I don't love makeup remover wipes unless it's like last resort, you know, maybe someone who had too much to drink and like, that's the only thing they're going to do great. Or you're camping or something, but I just feel like pulling on your skin with that kind of textured fabric all the time, like isn't necessarily the best for your skin. Um, if someone wears a ton of makeup, definitely a double cleanse, wash them twice. And maybe, maybe they like a more oil cleanser first and then a gel cleanser second. I've just never been a big fan of oily cleansers because I'm acne prone. So I will just do two cleanses of my same gel cleanser that I love. And really there's a million ways to do it as long as you can get that makeup off without irritating your skin. Love that. Yeah. And that's something I just always, you know, you know, like to go into because so often we just think of non-toxic beauty because of all the typical non-toxic things. You know, it's better for your hormones, better for your overall health, but we also just don't think about the fact that it's sitting on our skin. It's like blocking the pores, doing all of that stuff. So, and, you know, last thing on topic of everything that we can apply to our skin is when it comes to sun exposure and protecting our skin from that, what do you look for in that realm of things, you know, SPF wise, how do you apply it? What's been your ex expertise on it? I'm so glad you touched on SPF because it's so <laughs> important and it's not just important for people who live in Los Angeles. It's people who live anywhere with any condition because the UVA and UVB rays are just as heavy through clouds. So it's, it's something to think about all year long. And I use mineral based sunscreen Mineral base is really important because it's the best non-toxic option to protect your skin. A lot of sunscreens are chemical sunscreens, which means that the sun interacts with the ingredients in the SPF and creates some sort of like chemical combustion on the surface of your skin to absorb those rays from the sun. So it is, they're super toxic. They're bad for the environment. They're bad for you. They're bad for your skin. Just find something that is a mineral-based SPF. There's great ones out there that feel good on your skin. They're not super heavy and chalky. And one thing to be really, really mindful of with SPF is you're getting exposure through windows. You're getting exposure all day long. And the SPF number, I forget exactly what it is. I think maybe it's over 50, maybe it's over 80 it doesn't protect you any more than the hundred. So you may think, oh, I have this crazy high SPF. It's got me covered, but it really doesn't. And if you're really in the sun for a long period of time, you have to reapply every hour. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest thing, you know, people seem to bring up in a conversation is just the idea of it's not just a one and one and done ordeal, especially if you're living somewhere, you know, going outside, working outside, whatever it be. And uh, I hadn't realized the mineral based. I mean, I knew obviously that some sunscreens are better. I have some that are better, you know, for me. I didn't really do the research into it, but understanding the mineral versus chemical is huge. And it really uh, prompts, I hope anyone listening to make that switch because it's a simple switch. And, you know, for most of us, we should be using it, you know, more often than we should. So might as well have a high quality when we are. But yeah, and the thing, I mean, also just being a registered nurse, skin cancer is very real. And just because you're not in a sunny place doesn't mean you're not susceptible. And for anyone who's listening who's really young and they don't think it really applies to them yet, you know, set yourself up for a great future. And whether you care about the physical appearance of having beautiful, glowy skin or you care about the long term health of yourself, I mean, just take that step now. It's something little that you can do that's really, really beneficial. And I just want everyone to take it into consideration because you can start caring for yourself now. And it's important. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing the big movement, you know, everyone's health wellness focused. Let's bring our skin into the equation too and set us up, set ourselves up for success. So I agree. And you are just a wealth of knowledge, honestly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I get so many great questions. I could just talk about skincare for days and days and days. Well, I love it. I know. And like with each question, I'd have another question pop up in my mind and I was trying <laughs> to stay on track, but so much to say, so much to ask, but you are just so inspiring, so educational. So where can people find you and learn more and just get all about you? Yeah. So one new venture that I'm very excited about, I'm about five videos in a month and some change in, but I just launched YouTube. So people can find me at Celeste Thomas on YouTube. And if they really want more in depth, like what my skincare routines are, what I eat in a day for clear skin, I have all those videos at your disposal. And they can find me on Instagram at Celeste Thomas. And then I also have a course called Skin Confident, which has really actionable steps for how to completely transform your skin, whether or not you're dealing with acne or rosacea, whether you just want clear, healthy skin for life. I just break it down and make it easy to troubleshoot potential things that may be going wrong in your skincare routine. Want to let your community know you can always DM me on Instagram if you have any specific questions. I love being a resource, so I'm happy to help anyone who needs it. Good, good. I loved chatting all things skin with Celeste. This is a topic I've struggled with in the past, just with my own skin journey, and I'm sure many of you have as well. And while this episode isn't going to resonate or relate to all of you, Hopefully it found the people that needed it or it just, you know, inspired you to find something new, try something new, check out Celeste's page. If you want to learn more and continue following along, she is on Instagram at Celeste Thomas and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Thank you guys as always for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.